0: They said it couldn't be done. Independence was impossible. Through fear-mongering and other forms of negative rhetoric, they made you give up on your dreams. Well now, it's time to prove them all wrong. It's time to blow up the system and change the world. And we've got the man who did it. Broadcasting from studios in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Outliers. Here's your host, visionary and founder of Fedora Outlier, LLC, Vashawn Jones. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Vashawn Jones, visionary of Fedora Outlier, LLC. And today we got a special guest. Now, I know, I know that I say everyone is special and that is true. But we got what you call a very special guest. And today's guest is none other than Sarah Ellen Waggle. Sarah, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you.
0: Excellent. So everybody has this story of making it in life, being disabled, so the world labels us, and coming through um, the disability to become someone great in this world What's your story? How did you become blind? Kind of take us through that journey and um, let us feel what it was like to be in your shoes during that time.
1: Um, I actually have been vision my entire life Um, and so kind of don't know any different. I I don't know. uh, I don't know life with quote, full vision or, quote, normal vision, Um, I know this life, and uh, I have nothing to compare it to. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but I mean, it's come with its struggles. It's come with, like, you know, everybody got their driver's license at 16, and I didn't. Right. Um, You know, everybody was participating in physical education, and I wasn't. Um, So there was those things. Um, I did ultimately, uh, attend a school specifically for the visually impaired and get to do PE and become an athlete and, and those things. But, you know, when I was a kid, um, in public school, like, you know, this was like the eighties and nineties, you know, we didn't have (laughs) such inclusion. (laughs) Yeah. Dating dating myself a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been an ongoing thing, you know? Um. Um, still there are opportunities that I feel like I don't get because, um, because of vision. Um, and whether I agree with them or not, that's the way the world is operating.
0: Hmm. And so, so we're here to change the world. So we don't want to yeah. put a pin in it there, but so you were born visually impaired. What was the eye condition? Was it premature birth or?
1: No. So I actually have something called my Um, it's a small eye. <laughs> um and then my right eye um is non-existent so i have a prosthetic hmm. um and so yeah it's, always, it's 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 you know the vision's been stable you know uh all my life i've been like high risk for you know everything retinal detachment lens detachment <laughs> <laughs> um all those things and uh you know i was just at the eye doctor yesterday and and i, I do judo and You know, she's like, I can't say that it's okay that you do judo. And I'm like, "Look, I could trip and fall in construction. I live in Chicago
0: and lose my vision. <laughs> so, get shot." I mean, you know.
1: Right. I mean, you know. So, I think falling on a mat's probably okay comparatively
0: speaking. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You remind me of me growing up because I used to always tell people, you know, they was like, "Well, what do you see and is that normal?" And I'm like, "Well, I have nothing to compare it to. I don't know what normal looks like, but I know what I know and you you know, this is what right. I see, and I used to hate when they. How many fingers do I have up? And I'm like uh, two. Uh, I can see that. I mean, I don't you know. know. But... I don't really care. Does it really
1: matter? <laughs> right, and they're like, well,
0: <laughs> well, you can see.
1: I you can just told me. One. Would you like, to find out which
0: one that one is? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, kind of like me, um, did you being told as a little girl growing up? the things that you couldn't do is that what kind of fueled your fire to to do it to be competitive to be in in sports
1: um i think that was definitely part of it um i the biggest thing for me that i was told i couldn't do was when i wanted to go to college and i wanted to study physical education fitness something in that arena Um, I mean, like I said, I graduated high school in 97, so opportunities for para, um, sports as we know them now didn't really exist. I mean, you kind of had to be in the right places, which at the time was like California or Colorado. And I was in either one of those places. (laughs) And, um, so I kind of felt like, and then I was like, okay, I can't really pursue being an athlete beyond high school. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll study, you know, physical education, adoptive phys ed, fitness, something in that arena and, uh, was basically shut down. Um, was told at the time, like you, you're, you know, there's, I don't, we don't know how you do the biology lab. We don't know how you do kinesiology. Um, and that's probably like one of the biggest, one of the biggest things I wish I could go back and be a better advocate and really stand up for myself. Um, and tell them that I was going to do it anyway. Uh, I really like that. That's to me where I still struggle,
2: <laughs> but I don't
1: have the education and fitness and physical and physical education or physiology or, um, you know, movement education. Um, it's still something that's bugging me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause now it's like, I don't have the education and I've, you know, gotten a bachelor's master's and, um, you know, now I'm kind of at the point where no one's going to fund me for any more education. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's I kind of feel like I'm at a standstill with my employment situation because of where I want to be versus where my education is.
2: Um, right.
1: So yeah, yeah, it's really like a current struggle for me with where I want to be. But, yeah, I mean, um, being told that I, that I, you know, can't do it or whatever, like that's To me, that's the one, the career, Um, more so than, like, competitive athletically. Um, Competing athletically is kind of something I can take on and choose to do. And now the opportunities in para sports are a little bit more wide. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Chicago is like, you know, Mecca. We've got um, a couple of para judo organizations. We've got a huge para triathlon club um, here in Chicago. And so, you know, para sport opportunities are a little bit more nationwide now where they weren't you
0: know, 20 years ago. So, hmm. so sidebar, as far as the <laughs> uh, athleticism for those with disabilities, are there any opportunities for sponsorships, kind of like what you would see on the, um, you know, the bigger scale of, of athleticism? Um,
1: that's still something I'm looking into. There is um, obviously the United States Association of Blind Athletes, um, that might provide some support, uh, for judo. There's, I want to say it's called like the American blind judo federation, something to that effect. Um, but you know, you kind of have to prove your success, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically get a gold medal in order to get like really supported. Um, so there are opportunities, but you kind of got to, you know, really put in some work which probably isn't so different from being an able-bodied athlete having to put in work to get those sponsorships.
0: Hmm. Well I would imagine they're not paying 50 100 you know half a million dollars to do it why wouldn't a person look at um, I think if I was advising someone and really want you know who really wanted to go in this path that say the uniforms that you guys use, and I don't know what is the outfit for um, judo, but let's say it's a manufacturer of judo outfits. Why not look at them as being a sponsor versus the traditional disabled arena as far as, um, you know, sports and sports sponsorship? Uh, that's definitely a good question.
1: So judo uniform is a judo gi um, so, uh, pants and a jacket and a belt is pretty much all we need,
2: okay. um,
1: for judo. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, one of which I don't know the answer to. I don't really know a lot about athletic sponsorship in general, let alone like para-athletic sponsorship. Okay. Um, so you definitely might have something there worth me checking into um, because you know having you can't really have enough judogi's. Um, I currently have two and I practice about three four times a week. So you can only imagine. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's 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 an interesting. Um, I don't see why not. I don't see why you know there would be any any difference. Yeah. Um, between para and able-bodied uh, sponsorship. Um, Like I said,
0: it's just not something that I know quite, know a lot about. Okay. Well, let's do some research together. Actually, um, one of the gentlemen who works for the firm, uh, Tomir, he um, practices judo and he teaches and does a a bunch of stuff on that level. So I'll connect you to, he's actually out of Pennsylvania, just like um, Mary, the person that we had talked about earlier um, yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy. And is all and he's visually impaired, of course, um, still has um, some of his sight and, and practices a lot. Um, but I'm always thinking that way. I'm thinking, you know, where is the money? If you're buying jeans, that means they're making money off of the industry, which means they would put mm-hmm. back into the industry. And if you're that out, you know, athlete, then you. Um, there's nothing for them to write a check for 50,000 for you to advertise. And guess what that could do? That could pay for education um, right. and, and put a couple of RX bars in, in your belly. So <laughs> um, right RX bars, I don't know if you ever heard of them. This really supposed to be healthy bars for those who work out and just want to have energy through the day. So I've tried them out
1: please i have heard of them
0: yeah pretty good pretty good so tell me about illinois now when i first came to illinois i was going to hire a couple of people there and um, i was also going to a recording studio with another gentleman who is uh Blind. He's in uh, Beecher, Illinois, and I kept calling it Illinois. You know the S. <laughs> and he stopped yeah, in the, the middle of the rec- <laughs> the middle of the recording, and he said, uh, first of all, my name is Byron, not Brian, Harton, and it's Illinois, not Illinois." So tell us
1: <laughs> what growing up
0: in Illinois is like, besides cold, because I know it's
1: freezing. Uh, I mean, you know, winters have been mild lately. It hasn't been terribly bad. Um compared to like the northeast it's getting hammered with lots of snow. All right.
0: Um
1: I think Illinois is a pain in am I allowed to curse on here? <laughs> yeah,
0: this day. Yeah. <laughs> uh
1: okay. okay. I think Illinois is a pain in the ass state, um, in general, <laughs> but specifically for people with disabilities, it's just it's such a freaking red tape. Uh but it's like super sticky red tape. It's not even like regular mm-hmm. electrical tape. It's like, what's that? Gorilla, <laughs> gorilla tape. tape. <laughs> is that what it's called? I the don't know, but it sounds tape? good. Anyway. All right. So we'll go with it. Monkey tape, gorilla tape, something like that. <laughs> right. Anyway, my point being is like, it's that hard to get services. It's that difficult to get anywhere. Um, you know, I've had open and close the case with department of rehab services a few times in life. And, they don't listen to me, and I end up just firing them because I'm like, never mind, it's just not worth it. <laughs> not hearing me. Um, the last time I had a case with them was recently when I moved back to Chicago. I've been kind of all over the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I moved back to Chicago, I was job hunting, and uh, I specifically said I want to work in fitness. Um, I had at the time um, a certificate from the American Fitness Aerobic and Fitness rotation of America, APA, um, as a group exercise instructor, and I really wanted something with that. Well, that's not what they saw. They saw, you know, oh, we have these call center contracts, and let's have you work, you know, eight hours a day in a call center. I was like, what? No, that's not what we're talking about here. And so they were like, well, this is, like, temporary. We're going to put you here, and then we'll help you elsewhere. Well, that's that was a joke, too, because... No, they have these corporate contracts and that's where they, you know, they have to hire a certain percentage of people with visual impairment or disability or veteran. Or, and, you know, once they put you there, they're like, well, we employed you. Isn't that awesome? Mm. I was like, no, it's not awesome because I'm bored and I'm annoyed and I'm not happy. <laughs> right. But you're employed. Right. Okay, but I'm not happy. <laughs> oh, no, you, don't, you don't, like, You don't like it here? I'm like, no, this is a dumb job.
2: Right. This is a great
1: job for people who need this kind of job, but I don't need this kind of job. I'm active. I don't want to sit here all day. I literally put on like 25 pounds because I couldn't outrun sitting, you know, when I was commuting, um, about an hour mm-hmm. each way. So eight hours of work plus two hours commute, you know, you're t- sitting like 10 plus hours a day and you can't outrun that. You can't out diet that you can't. You know, you can't be strict enough with your food and run enough off the, you know, to 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 counter sitting that much. And you know, being an active person and somebody who's pursuing, you know, judo athletically and triathlon athletically, that just sucks.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and so in the end, it was like, um, the case got closed. My case got closed because by the time I figured out I was tricked, it was past this ninety-day <laughs> window of well, we ah! got to employment. I'm them. Like, okay. <laughs> Right, right, right. And by the time I tried to switch counselors, it was too late. Yep. Um, and the job ended with me um, confronting the manager because, you know, she basically tried to say that I wasn't doing my job. And I was like, yes, I am doing it right now. You're just talking to me, so I'm not talking on the phone. Um, <laughs> and the next week I was I was escorted out of the building. So wow. um, that's kind of how that went down. I mean, I was going to leave the job anyway, but... It was basically, if I hadn't chosen to leave, I was going to get fired. So yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's kind of, and ever since then I have, you know, um, uh, I, I mean, I want to pursue stuff that empowers people. I want to work with people, you know, who want to work hard. And I want to, you know, want to work with people who think they can't exercise. And, um, you know, I mean, my fitness and, and I do uh, life coaching as well. Like those are just such powerful tools that I have. Mm Um, I kind of run into like networking is challenging, um, Hmm. if you're visually impaired, uh, for me, networking is challenging. Um, you know, I try to do a lot of social media stuff and, you know, I feel like I'm just climbing at walls. So yeah, I mean, the struggle is real, but to me, like, I'd rather be doing this kind of work than doing work for, to fulfill your corporate quota. Right.
0: Um, Right. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: It's kind of yeah. crazy because a lot of the stuff you touched on, number one, we deal with VR, which goes back to the whole advocacy thing that we'll speed up mm-hmm. to in a sec. But what was crazy, I don't know if you've ever heard of dialogue in the dark before.
1: No.
0: Okay. So here in New York and outside of the country where's these um they were in touristy areas and individuals would buy tickets to go through this um exhibit if you will and what the exhibit was Mm -hmm. was blind people that would take you through a journey of say the a walk in the park and it was like an exhibit with the park and the park benches and you would hear the streams and the grass and the sidewalks and um you know everything was dark and the sighted person would come in and we would be their tour guides of course we're naturally adept to (laughs) working in the dark um and then from there we would Go to the grocery store inside of this exhibit and they would, you know, open up the freezer and touch stuff. And we would ask them, hey, what is that? Is that the milk? And this and that. Um, From there, we would go to a boat, take a cruise, sit on a boat. We'll sing songs. We'll act the fool. We'll rock the boat. Leave there. Go to (laughs) um, like a normal busy city street and touch mailboxes and poles and Volkswagens and, you know, all that great stuff. And then we would leave there and we would go to the cafe and they would order food and we would sit down at a table and they would ask us questions. Now, that was a great job, right? They paid 10 bucks an hour. You work four mm-hmm. hours a day. That's um, 40 bucks. You might work three days. So that's 120 bucks. Per week now. So you multiply hundred and twenty times four. Math may be mm-hmm. escaping me, but that's four hundred and eighty dollars without the taxes and vocational rehabilitation after 90 days wanted to close your case after making right. four hundred and eighty bucks a month. Like they told yep. you you're employed. I'm like, what the You're employed? You know what I mean? And I'm like, this is crazy. Yes. Now Illinois. Hold on, wait a second. Okay. <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh, I thought you was telling me to wait a second. Oh, so Illinois, that gorilla tape. Yeah, it's crazy because as a vendor, you fill out a W-9. Now, I've been filling out W-9s all my self-employed life, right? It's only so many ways this thing can be filled out. Do you know we filled it out? We screenshot it. 25 times we talked to the irs we talked to our attorneys do you know the controller in illinois kept saying it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong that's,
1: it's that's oh. absolutely illinois it,
0: um, it's, it's five lines it's the company name it's your yeah. name it's do you want your company social security or your personal social security hey can you sign here boom come on it's ridiculous
1: I, so I had applied for it because the rehab counselor told me I had to apply for, um, you know, the open rehab therapist job mm-hmm. that was in Chicago. And again, I, like you said, I filled this application out. I don't know how many times and <laughs> every single time. Now, what I'll tell you is that I worked for the call center that I worked in was, the state licensing for the professions like physical therapists, doctors, mm-hmm. nurses, etc.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That it's the same problem there. So it's not just uh, a vision we mm-hmm. have problem. It's actually Illinois problem. Oh yeah, because they, they, they the professionals would do the same thing. They put the wrong answer, and it didn't matter what we told them that we thought was the right answer. It mattered what they thought in Springfield. So I mean, literally, like Illinois just chases their own tail that way, which mm-hmm. is really bad for mm-hmm. the state. Mm -hmm. um, And it's
0: not like it's a test, right? It's like, okay, well, what's supposed to go here? And they can't tell you that what they'll say is they'll send you this long doctoral thesis on what's supposed (laughs) to go there. And you never get the freaking right answer. That's ridiculous. Listen, we're fired up now. Advocacy. And you wish you could go back and do things over. And you're helping a lot of people now that are there with being fortified and what you want to do and how you want to get there and letting them know this is what you want to do. What would you tell the young Sarah Ellen waggle, um, then that, you know, now, what would you do different?
1: Um, you know what? I would have told her to fight for what she wanted, that it was worth it, that, um, you know, that, that it would be worth it to fight for what, for what I wanted. Um, you know, I, I definitely would have just encouraged the hell out of her to, to go after it. And I don't know if at the time I just didn't have the encouragement that I needed from whatever source I needed it from, perhaps just myself. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I just, I would have just told her to go for it. Um, study it anyway. I mean, you know, Years later, I looked back at, like, my transcripts, and I was like, somebody should have figured this out. I maxed out my physical classes in two semesters. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're allowed, allowed, like, nine physical education electives or something, and I maxed them out um, within the first couple semesters I was enrolled, and uh, that should have told somebody something right there that, you know, obviously, (laughs) these were the classes I wanted (laughs) to take, and they wouldn't let me take any more. I was like, damn it. Um, But, yeah, I I think I would have just really fought a lot harder um and i I would definitely tell anybody like if you really, here's what happens um and this might be coming from coaching a little bit Mm -hmm. but uh here's what happens when we silence a part of ourselves when we silence that part of ourselves that's like connected to our soul that's what happens to become depression or um we kind of cripple ourselves into living i mean i turned into self-destruction i literally went from wanting to be involved with fitness and be an athlete to you know I started smoking I I was a smoker at the time unfortunately but you know as a kid um, I I started smoking more and I had said I would never drink and I started drinking Um, I said I was never going to try drugs and I tried pot Um, and I mean I did a whole bunch of other self-destructive type things because I was so fucking miserable Mm -hmm. at what I felt like I had to choose which was education, special education. Um, and ultimately, I, I didn't like special education. I didn't like the rules of special education. I ended up pursuing an undergrad in child development just so I could get out of college, basically. Hmm.
2: Um,
1: but I was freaking miserable the whole time. I spent seven years trying to pursue an undergrad because I was so unhappy. I was so miserable. Um, Went undergrad school because I'm like, well, I guess if I'm going to have to do something in, in education or whatever, i may as well do vision rehab. Um, and so I did that, did grad school. Um, grad school I kind of cleaned up a little bit, a little less self-destructive. However, I when I did go to grad school, I did nothing but go to grad school. I didn't go out. I didn't do anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I got a job, um, a full-time job. Um, and again, I was, you know, the sad part is, is like I'm... The, the good slash bad part is that I'm talented at a lot of things and so I got a job and I was really good at it but I was really miserable at it um, <laughs> and I so ultimately left the job. This was um, 2005 to 2010. Um, but So my whole point in, all, in sharing all of that is like when we silence a part of ourselves, because now here I am, I'm two years back into working out. Um, I started running. I took on some running training. I do judo. Um, I work out probably about all- Five days a week-ish um, and um, it's like a part of me woke up.
2: Hmm.
1: Like I found this piece of me and I was never interested in martial arts uh, and, and a coach, um, a para judo coach here in Chicago um, invited me on the mat and I was like, nah, I'm not gonna, I don't need to try it. He's like, no, just sit on the mat and um, I'm glad I did. Hmm. You know, now it's like three years later, I'm glad I did but um, it's like I found a part of myself that was missing this whole damn time, um, and I wouldn't trade it. Like, it's like I'm currently unemployed, but I get to do judo three, four times a week. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I feel like there was a trade-off. Like, I got what I wanted. Mm. I, I, you know, now if I could get paid to just work out, oh, I, I just that would rock my world. Like, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Like somebody just paid me to work out, and that's back to your sponsorship <laughs> question. Um, so it's funny how the conversation is like circling about, but right, you know, I, but we cripple ourselves because we shut something down because somebody tells us that we can't, <laughs> right? So we shut that that part of us down. We shut it down. But the the, the thing is, is that when we shut that down, we actually cripple ourselves. We we um, we hide. Um, And that's where a lot of like our pain and misery comes from is that we shut that piece of us down and it's like we shut down our soul. So we shut down our happiness um, and then, you know, it becomes like this cycle of victim and and all kinds of bad things that happen. And I've dealt with, you know, emotional instability and um, abusive relationships and Mm -hmm. a lot of self-worth issues and a lot of self-love issues over the years. And all of that cycles back to I shut this part of me down because I was told that I can't do it. Um, and so I feel like that's kind of where now it's 2018. Things are a lot different. There's a lot more opportunities where there weren't opportunities when I was, you know, 18 years old or whatever. Um, there's opportunities for, for youngsters to, to, or young young adults to really pursue the hell out of whatever it is they want. Man. Um, yeah. And there's no bullshit. Like there's no reason to, to not go after it. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, technology is where it is. And, you know, Amazing. Yeah. Like we have all this stuff at our availability. There's really no reason why we shouldn't be trying to go after whatever it is. Um, maybe rocket science and medical science is not quite, you know, but my point is like, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I, I had a friend who, who, uh, in college, he, um, wanted to work for Apple corporate and, um, we all told him he was that shit crazy. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know he he struggled with um, the school of business at our college. I went to NIU Northern Illinois mm-hmm. University. and um he struggled the entire time with business education and getting things accessible and and whatnot. but now here we are, twenty years later, he's working for Apple Corporate as an accessibility engineer. so. There you go. There you
0: wow. go. Absolutely. Um, put me in contact with him or, or her. It was a he. Yeah, I want to talk to, yeah. to them. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I was yep. in California this past week in L.A. and I went to the Steve Harvey show, a taping of the show. And at the end, when they yell cut and they really do that in Hollywood, <laughs> um, which I thought was cool because I broke out the the phone and started recording and wasn't supposed to got in trouble but hey that's what life is about and he was saying that they told him in sixth grade his teacher that he would never be on tv okay now this is steve harvey years later and of course he's on every channel that you turn on he literally has everywhere. eight shows right then putting together two more and so he said that he you know told his teacher this is what he wanted to do. Now, you would think Steve Harvey okay, yeah, he he just made it through sheer luck. But he actually stuttered when he was in the 6th grade. So, you know, not only being, you know, uh. Steve Harvey, but he had a stuttering problem. Nobody, you know, you don't see a famous stutterer on TV. And he says now, years later, every year to prove that teacher wrong, he sends her a TV for Christmas. <laughs> i said man that that is the epitome of people telling you what you can't do and i always tell people when i'm in these consulting sessions anybody who told you that you can't do something it's because they haven't done it or they can't visualize themselves doing it. it's not because you can't because if you can dream it if you can see it in your mind's eye
2: then you can do it
0: and i i am a true testament of that i mean i'm surrounded with Every piece of, you know, major technology. I don't have a bunch of blind stuff, so to say. Nothing's wrong with it. But, um, you know, aside from my computers and iPhones and stuff like that that I need. But a lady told me. When she was quote unquote mentoring me, that you will never get rich teaching blind people technology. And I said, I'm the type of person, if you tell me I can't do something, that's the fuel to my fire. I make it happen. <laughs> and so I won't say. How much money I made last year but it was definitely probably <laughs> five times more than she ever thought about doing it. and yeah, so I love yeah, that probably. whole thing right right you know and I get to and see I found my gift and it's kind of like what you said you know prior to um I did all those things um the marijuana and the drinking and I smoked for 14 years and you know mm-hmm. just that whole depression thing Um, Not really because I was blind, but more importantly, because I was blind and I just couldn't figure out life. I couldn't I never I didn't see anyone besides Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder making it as a blind person. I just I was surrounded by Georgians who were blind, who kept telling me what they couldn't afford. And I just left a corporate job at 90 grand a year. I'm like, I'm not going to go from that to, you know, being poor. And here's the thing that kicks (laughs) me in the butt. So they say in the Bible the poor will always be among us. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have to be that poor one. (laughs) You know, so Sarah, tell us about the advocacy. Clearly you've been through some things, um, you're matured in life. You see life differently. How can we improve our advocacy worldwide to get the things that we want?
1: Um, A lot of it for me has been um, not playing victim to whatever society has to dish out. Because if I mean, the thing is, is that if we stay in the role of I'm going to get my what's the SSI amount right now, like 750 a month or something, Mm -hmm. if we stay within that. Realm of thinking like I can only live on $750 a month because that's what whoever said I that's that's what I'm supposed to live it on. Mm-hmm. Like, if we don't break out of that, I mean, that's really where it's at. Like, we have to want more for ourselves, um, than $750 a month and to bitch about what we can't afford or bitch about this or bitch about that. Like, we could keep doing that, and, and that's how it's been. But if if if, if we really want to shift something, we as a, as a blind culture, I guess, if that's what you want to refer to it as, Mm -hmm. uh, we, we need to decide and choose for ourselves that we want something more than that. Um, and I, I completely get and understand, you know, people that are listening to this are like, yeah, but you know, you haven't been turned down by every employer everywhere. Yes, I have. <laughs> I applied for countless gym jobs when I first moved back to Chicago and never even got a second interview. Like I would walk in the door, they'd see the cane and be like, Oh, well, can we just have your resume and then we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 get, it's frustrating. I get crying because you really want that job and that job doesn't want you. Hmm. I get that. Um, I wanted to work at a craft store because I do arts and crafts on the side. So I've applied at craft stores and, and I get turned down. So if you're listening to this and you're like, you've never been turned down through Yeah, I have. That's pretty much why I'm not employed at the moment is because <laughs> I've been turned down by all the jobs that I want. Um, the jobs that I desire to work at. And, um, but it, the thing is is that I have to keep in my head that I'm worth what I want, what I'm after. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to rise above like, whatever DHS, you know, voc rehab is telling us whatever the government's telling us, whatever those professors are telling us, like, you know, we need to kind of work together as a whole to like not be bitchy and moany and, you know, F the world and this and that. We actually need to shift our attitude about what's available to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and come from a different space. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a collective shift, although that would probably help. Yeah. But um, even if it's like, you know, five people shift um, and choose that, you know, in Chicago, we're going to make this happen. In Chicago, we're not going to whine about unemployment. We're going to work together and teach employers what they need to know to employ a blind or visually impaired person. Um, cause chances are the opportunities are there, but we don't know it because, we, you know, we're not communicating the right message mm. um, with the employer. So if you think about it, what you just said, you don't have a lot of blind technology. You just have a lot of Apple devices, right? Right, right. Um, And Apple devices which have accessibility built right in, Mm -hmm, you
2: mm -hmm.
1: know? So um, if a company is already using Apple products and the person looking for a job knows how to use those Apple products, boom. But you're not asking that question. You're assuming that technology is involved. You don't even bother asking.
0: Right, right. And doing your research, I mean, it's just so much with employment that... We just don't know. Like I said, I come from corporate, you know, I mean, executive Mm -hmm. level corporate, you know, and I've been visually impaired, but I could see for the most part. I mean, I was blind in my right eye like 20, 40 before it really went completely blind, you know, so I could see, but I still had that stigma of um, the cane and being visually impaired. And I promise Mm -hmm. you, the only job I have... Ever not gotten was from a blind center here in Georgia and that's because they really didn't have any intentions on hiring a blind manager they needed somebody to fulfill the stimulus money that Obama was giving out for a call mm. center you know and <laughs> we're worth if you're listening to me and Sarah right now you are worth more than a call center
1: <laughs> I mean, <Even> that. <laughs> bottom line
0: you know, I always say, uh, you know, government people, they don't make a lot of money. God bless them. So some of them are in it really to help and change the world. Some of them them who are telling you what you can't do are employed with the government because they can't do anything they else. Do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's such an easy entry barrier to entry to work for the state. Such low pay, even on the executive level. I looked at our executive director's Pay. Hey, I mean, it's like 149. It's great. Anybody would accept it. But that's like the highest. Where does he go from there? He'll never be like president or anything. So right. that's it. He can't open up his own business, you know, while he's working for the government. So you know their heights are not they're not going to tell you you can make a half a million dollars a year if they're only making 35 bottom line
1: exactly you know so
0: exactly. you know it's crazy
1: and there's the, i mean they. you know and the funny part is is like well two two things that are interesting they they get to the point where they beat you down to to keep you under submission
0: them. yes
1: yeah, they, they they help you forget what you really were dreaming about doing, um, and make you feel like you're not capable of doing anything more. That's that's part of their job. That's part of what they're getting paid to do is to, to remind you that you're not capable of anything more than that. And the thing is, is that you have to really dig to keep that within yourself that you know you are capable of much more than that. And the funnier part about it is, like the call center that I worked at, the database was not. Um, accessible with JAWS right? and so those who were totally blind could answer the phone and answer questions but if <laughs> things had to be looked up they had to get someone else to help them do that. I'm like that's kind of defeating I feel like. Man. but uh, Yeah so I mean it, it's not even a perfect setting. Um, now not that this credit call center is a hundred percent. They are there for those people who need those type of jobs
2: mm-hmm. because
1: there are people out there who do need those type of jobs. However what we're talking about is is people who want to do something greater and want to do something more and are not given the opportunity to do that. Um, and that, that's, that's the, that's the population we're talking about here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of weird because when you pull yourself out of it and you get over the depression and all of that, and you get geared up to actually formulate what you want to be and you go to these offices. And, you know, I mean, the paperwork isn't fine. They help you fill that out and, you know, make sure all the boxes are checked and, and all of that. And the process is just so long. I mean, I think of government agencies, when you go into DMV, I mean, it it takes a long time just because there's a lot of people, but if your Mm -hmm. job is to help us get employed you know one of those points is number one lady man you wouldn't have a job if i wasn't disabled right you know and then two (laughs) why does it take you got somebody that's motivated that knows what they want that gives you everything that you need to make an informed decision about what i want where to go how much it costs what i need and you still take six months only to say i'm still checking where i could go to god and get an answer before
1: (laughs) See, and I feel like that's where we as individuals or as advocates um, can kind of work together because I, I thought that they would go to these gyms with me and be like an advocate mm-hmm. for me and help me to help educate a gym so that I could work, right, or mm-hmm. do some kind of job there. Like I didn't even care if I was like cleaning because that would get me in the door, right? That mm-hmm. would at least get mm-hmm. me in the door. Um, and, and I wouldn't be sitting on my ass all day, right. um, but that's, that's not what they're set up to do. But right. I feel like that's something that we can work together on is like, you know, Joe Schmo wants to work, uh, you know, as a massage therapist. Well, why can't we come up with somebody who is an educated massage therapist who can mentor him, who can, who he can apprentice under? Mm-hmm. to teach them, you know, so that he can gain more. Cause obviously you go to school, you do your, your school thing, but there's a lot more application than just what you're probably going to learn in school. Mm-hmm. And so like working together with a mentor, with an advocate, um, you know, to really teach more, to do more as far as education, as far as employment, um, you know, rather than like shutting someone down just because of a disability. Um, but, but, you know, having that person with them, you know, maybe I could get like mentored by another fitness trainer to learn more, to know what I need to look for or how I can compensate for what I'm not able to see. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can design a program, right. I can design a fitness program. Um, so, you know, if we, we cooperate together with, not with able-bodied and disabled. I mean, that's a win-win versus like just slamming the door in someone's face. And I feel like that's to be a little bit more, um, um, proactive is the word mm-hmm. coming to mind. Mm-hmm. That's quite what I was looking for. But I mean, yeah, it's, you know, there's just, there's opportunity there, but you know, you're talking about government employees. They're not going to do that. Cause they don't know how to do that. They're, they're filling out paperwork. That's what they know how to do. Right. They fill out paperwork. They right. don't know how to actually advocate for you. Um, do I know where I'm going with all of this? No. It feels like I might be headed towards a nonprofit mm. uh, employment advocacy type organization, um, but I, I don't know if that's such a thing already exists that I could go ahead and work with, or if this is something that is going to be my brainchild and my gift to the universe <laughs> is
2: you know providing
1: this nonprofit disability employment advocacy right. Um,
0: organization. Right. Um, I look at it from a, a bunch of different ways because I'm always, you know, I took my gift, which is technology, and people think, well, all you do is teach people to use the voiceover keys and swipe, and I actually do none of that. I have instructors to teach the technology. But my main thing, like you said, was coaching to really solve the problem. Now, vocational rehabilitation Mm -hmm. is here for employment. When I get that person, we are gonna figure out what you wanna do. And then we're gonna walk in there with all the paperwork, every question they're gonna ask, already there so we can make a quick informed decision but we also have worked on you know seven different angles you know just making up a number for you i've kind of recognized three but i would look at the sponsorship angle from a bunch of different companies anybody who's in that industry Mm -hmm. gatorade you know fitness bars whatever uh for sponsorship and huge amounts. Don't be afraid to ask for fifty, a hundred thousand, cause the no is the same for five thousand as it is for five hundred thousand. So, you mm-hmm. know, they okay. got the money. The second thing is, you know, I would go into a gym, um, work out there for a month or whatever their free membership trial period is, you know, to get you in the door, get familiar with the gym, get familiar with the manager, get familiar with the the people who make the decisions. Um, and then let them know what your intentions are. Um, and then on the piece where, you know, as a collective, um, you know, find like minded people in your area. Um, you know, and they may not be in a judo, but they may be into working out, you know, and invite them out to the gym and and all that great stuff. But it can be done. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be wrapped mm-hmm. around a nonprofit. profit. Um, a lot of people think nonprofit means no money, but you know, the Red Cross is a non nonprofit and it's a billion dollar organization. So um, right. <laughs> you know, but you know, coaching help you already know. I mean, if I wanted to get into judo, I could hire you because you know, you know, twenty times more than I do. Now, maybe mentorship, <laughs> apprenticeship, when I surpass you, if that's what I wanted to do, then I get another trainer, but you've already made, you know, three or four thousand off of coaching me, right? It's like being a math tutor. Mm-hmm. You don't need a math tutor, hopefully, all your life. You just need it to right. get past these sticky points. And anyone that's blind, right. disabled, um, who needs to know how even just working out properly to get maximize the results is something that you could teach and charge for um, oh, yeah. that's going to bring in, you know, a income. And you get 10 clients at $35, $50 an hour, two hours a day per client. Right. You know, you're in there you know and screw the government because you can make more money privately than you know you ever could working for the government absolutely so that's that's definitely how i would would approach it um i love talking to like-minded people like you because it's not as you say bitching and moaning it's really exposing the problems for what they are and we already said hey it started with us we were depressed we were smoking um, you right. know, we were drinking. But once we decided that we didn't want that lifestyle, we began to move in a in a different direction, which gets us different results that fulfills us and makes us um, happiest as individuals.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Cool. So this interview is all about you. I know I've been doing a lot of talking because it's very few and far between where I get someone that (laughs) you know just um really puts it there like like um like it needs to be said but um tell us some more about you what's what's kind of on the horizon what's your thoughts what what are you going to do you know today to you know make moves towards where you where you want to be
1: so um I um I'm completing a program a life coach training program which has also been a personal transformation program and the company that I'm with is accomplishment coaching they are hands-down amazing um, and you know that's I've spent the last year like working through like not being victim to whatever and um, so that's been like a big thing and it's actually like changed how I approach everything um, <laughs> excuse me mm-hmm. um, I currently train, like I said, three, four days a week, a total of about five days a week between judo and triathlon. Um, Judo has actually taught me a lot about life and how I live life. And um, there's things that I allow on the mat that I won't allow off the mat. Um, I I, I use a little bit more vulnerability when I'm on the mat. Um, So people, you know, have the, they can like grab my gi and pull me where they need me to go on the mat. But that means I get to work out. So, Right. But if you grab me and pull me in real life, I, you might get slammed. So <laughs> I don't recommend it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I'm open to, you know, work with people, coaching clients. I, can, I, I love working visual, uh, visually, virtually. Right. Um, you know, with technology, I have the option to do things with FaceTime um, and FaceTime audio and things like that. So I can do coaching and fitness training um, in those capacities. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, the idea is to work virtually, uh, as much as possible to basically give myself the opportunity to train wherever judo takes me. So therefore, like if I get an opportunity to go train, you know, other where other places in the country besides Chicago, I, I would be able to continue working. Um, if I travel internationally for judo, I'd be able to continue working so that, you know, constantly getting income and, and constantly helping people change their lives and, and and all that um i'm also an artist i have an Etsy shop that i sell uh, uh hand crochet item mm-hmm. um and so i um yeah I, I do a lot with crochet uh anything from scarves shawls ponchos um i i, I ventured with other things not quite a lot but um so that's there too um so yeah that's kind of um You know, I believe a lot in meditation. I believe a lot in, you know, energy in the universe and how it all works together. Um, I, when you hear me say the universe, um, just to clarify, like I (laughs) see God, the universe and the divine as one whole. They're all the same to me. So, um, you know, if you you speak about God, that's fine. I call it universe. I call it the divine. Um, So, yeah, I, I, um, I'm up to a lot. I'm up to a lot, and it's a lot of stuff that I just love, love, love um, more than anything. Um, you know, I I'm 39 years old. Uh, I have an opportunity to pursue judo competitively. Um, para allows us um, a little bit of flexibility in age. If you're an elite Olympic athlete, you typically max out at around 30. Um, para athletes don't max out until about mid 50s. So if you're 35 and you're sitting there going, I really want to do Paralympic something, mm-hmm. um, please go for it. Please go for it. Um, I, I didn't think I could do a combat sport 10 years ago because I had so many physical you know, physical and mental um, things going. I, I had a lot of joint pain, a lot of back pain, um, and now I do a combat sport. So, <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's all about choice. It's all about you know, um, and choosing to take it on, um, choosing to change the lifestyle to fit what is available to you. Um, so you know, please take it on, please go after what, what, what's calling you, you know, big, deep, dig deep into. Your, I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of meditation mm-hmm. to set myself straight and to get quiet, get off social media, get quiet. Um, you know, I, I I'm just as guilty as being on social media, but I try to like, you know, not post so much, you know, I don't need to post my every minute of every day. <laughs> like me. Um, <laughs> um, I actually have gotten really bad with Instagram stories. That's kind of been my vice lately. Uh, I don't post so much on Instagram or Facebook, but the story thing has got me freaking hooked. Okay. Anywho. Um, but besides that, like, you know, get quiet a lot more, get meditation, get, get, you know if it's prayer you need if it's meditation you need if it's just quiet with some quiet music um that'll really help you like get to your core get to your soul and figure out what's there for you you know if you're you're living that lifestyle that vashon and i talked about of like smoking and drinking on the day away and you know wishing there was more to life than that there probably is you just you're not tapping into it clear your head you know get get quiet you know go to church if you need to um, you know, get prayerful, get meditative, put on some soft music. I mean, yes, I do listen to like classical music in the last few years. It's something I've picked up, um, just cause it's, you know, there's no lyrics to distract my thoughts. Yeah. Um, uh, I do vision boards, um, you know, and I, I've had blind clients who are like, I can't do a vision board. the well, hell you can. Don't browse something. Mm-hmm. You don't have to draw it. Everybody's vision board is different. I know people who cut out pictures from magazines. I don't waste my time on that. I have colored pencils and I like to draw. So,
2: hmm.
1: you know, that, that's part of my meditation is coloring. So whatever works for you, it's okay. Like, let it be that way. Um, the, less, the, more, the less I judge myself for the shit I do, the more I love what I do and I appreciate what I do. Um, and, and I just, to me, it's like, I I don't, I don't need to judge me. I don't need anybody else to judge me. If you need to judge me, that's on you. Um, you know, so (laughs) yeah, there's so much out there in the way of like self-love, self-care, you know, getting, getting in touch with what your soul is calling you to do. Um, and then put in, putting in the work to do it. You know, start following some pretty powerful people. Eric Thomas is one of my favorites. What? That guy, what do you, what you know about
0: E.T., the hip-hop preacher, man. Holy moly. Right, right. See, you
1: need somebody to fire you up. Y'all yes, like, yes. hip-hop preacher on YouTube. Go <laughs> watch something of his. I guarantee you, you'll be like, oh, my God.
0: Man, don't you know it. I want to go to one of his and conferences. Go, oh. And
1: then you dig a little deeper and you go, oh. There's Joe Rogan. Yep. Joe Rogan, who's a martial artist. He's a comedian. He's an actor. Yep. Um, and his podcasts are amazing. And then through him and through a couple other sources, I find I found Jocko Willink.
2: Mm. He's
1: a former Navy SEAL. And uh, he's got a book called Extreme Ownership, which is not audio at the moment that I mm-hmm. can find, damn it. Yep. Um, but all of these people, they do this stuff. They They spend time being quiet. They spend time... You know, doing their thing, and then they go do it. Yep. Um, yep. So I, I mean, that's you know, you can sit there and you can say, "I want to work out, I want to do this, and I want to do that." That's Cute. That's adorable. I'm, I'm glad you have that conversation with yourself. Get mm-hmm. up and go do it.
0: Yeah. Get up and so make do it happen. It. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, and oh. it's it none of it's easy. None of it's easy. There yeah. are days when I walk off the mat crying from judo. It, it's just <laughs> not. Yeah. You know, when I first started to learn how to run, I was like training myself. Now I used to run in high school, but then I smoked for 15 years, so I had to retrain how to run. Mm-hmm. You know, my lungs were a disaster. Um, and so the first year that I was training to run, like I thought running a mile would be like simple, right? I could pick this shit right back up. Right, right, right.
0: <laughs> no, no.
1: I was a
0: Yeah. It was I tell Um, people, man, you have to, it's like working out. You have to stretch that muscle. It's going to hurt. You know, you're not going to just walk in there and after a week of lifting weights, you know, be where you want to be. Now, will you be stronger? Will you see those micro changes? Absolutely. But it's not going to happen overnight. And if it's easy, it's probably not worth it. If it's easy, everybody will be doing it. it. It's hard. I'm telling you.
1: (laughs) It took me about a year and a half of running training to be able to run three miles, um, and that was consistent. That was like running about every other day um, mm. to get to be able to run three miles. But, I mean, we talk about it with coaching a lot because coaching is a ton of mental work, mm-hmm. and uh, so you're absolutely right. You know, you're, you're working muscles that you've never worked before. you got to be consistent about it. So, like, you know, you might meditate for, like, five days and be like, oh, I'm good. No, no, no. Go, go meditate for, like, three months. Sounds and like then
0: Else. like a plan all right well yeah. i told you 30 35 minutes we're going on eight hour so i'll probably cut this up and make it part <laughs> one and part two but listen tell the people how they can reach you if they want coaching if they want um assistance in accomplishing their goals in life i know you're on instagram and um i'm sure facebook twitter email phone tell them how to reach you and then we'll say goodbye
1: so yeah, so um, Instagram, uh, Fitness rock ROX seven nine on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, uh, there's me, Ellen Sarah Waggle. That's my main profile. I have a group that's called Fitness Rocks ROX. Uh, if you're wondering the Rocks R O X, it's because I'm a Chicago White Sox fan. Please don't judge me. I won't judge you for being a Cubs fan. <laughs> All um, right.
2: <laughs> phone number seven seven three three
1: six nine seven, two, seven, two, uh, text message. Call me. Um, we can set up a sample session, either whether it's a fitness thing or a coaching thing or whatever. Um, email is fitness rocks, R O X L N E L L E N at gmail.com. And I bet you if you search that same handle on YouTube, you'd find my YouTube channel. Um, there's some really cool stuff up there. Um, within the last year that I have posted, um, so yeah, I was gonna say one more thing, and I don't know what that was. Okay, must not have been that important. Uh, sample sessions, sample fitness sessions, um, or if you just want to chat more, get to know me—you um, know, that's 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 always good too. So um, don't be afraid to go after what you're after.
0: Man, let um, you make what happens in life happen. Don't let life happen to you. So. There Absolutely. you go.
2: Absolutely. Well,
0: Sarah, I know you think that I probably say this a lot, but it's been truly refreshing. It's been an amazing conversation. You are about the third person that has ever cursed on a podcast. And I love it when people just let their hair down, say the shit that they want to <laughs> say and stop acting like oh my god i've never heard this before because the part that you never heard was how are we overcoming the challenges that the world throws at us and how are we wanting in our hearts to help you become the person that you truly are meant to be so sarah it has been great i'm gonna hang up on you and move to my next recording and um you got my number you know how to reach us i do um we'll take it from there
1: All right. Thank you so much. What a great opportunity. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to Outliers, an official production of the Delivering Access Network. If you have a comment, question, or an idea for a program, email Vashon at excellence at fedoraoutlier.com. And visit fedoraoutlier.com if you'd like to purchase any of the products you hear advertised on the program. And for more great podcasts from the Delivering Access team, visit deliveringaccess.net. Check back again next time for more Outliers. Until then, thanks again for listening, and let's
2: change the world together.